Side Hustle Show 93, how to start and scale a service business to quit your job. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's happening? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. This is episode 93. How to start and scale a service business to quit your job. I'm on a little bit of a service business kick here ever since talking to Brian Harris back in episode 87. Highly, highly recommend that one if you haven't listened to it already. What makes that one stand out is Brian essentially makes the argument that selling a service is the fastest path to uh, to a side hustle income faster than uh, you know selling uh, a book or creating a course or, or heaven forbid creating a blog or a podcast but uh, but today's show uh, today's show follows along that thinking where where my guest Dane Shuda from ghostblogwriters.com shares how he built his business from almost an accidental freelancing gig all the way up to this thriving agency now with it with a team of, of 20 or so uh, part-time writers really cool stuff it turns out that uh, this this is a, a weird factoid it turns out that Dane was uh, while he was side hustling and, and building this thing he was actually working at his day job with one of my largest advertising partners for the for the shoe business that I had. He was he was right across the hall from my contacts there. So very small world that we can joke about how we know more about shoes than than any two dudes should. Now as is per the usual, all my notes and highlights uh, from this episode as well as Dan's top service side hustle tips are available to you in a free downloadable PDF at sidehustlenation.com slash 93 or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. Uh, News and updates. I am reviewing the applications for the for the year of public side hustle coaching and support. And I will say this, I am crazy impressed. This is not going to be an easy decision by any means, but you know, really looking forward to diving into to all of the videos, all of the applications and stuff that came through. And of course, we'll keep you posted on uh, the developments on that. Otherwise, just hustling away on a couple projects uh, for myself, including a service business of my own and a new book or two or three. And um, one thing I started doing is actually started blocking off time on my calendar as as like dedicated hustle time like n- no one can book meetings with me during this time uh you know no podcast recordings no interviews and that seems to be working pretty well so i kind of encourage you to try that little hack little calendar hack it's saying you know i'm gonna block this dedicated uh, chunk of time to uh, to get my work done anyways let's uh let's get into it with dane hey dane welcome to the side hustle show thanks for having me so everybody, uh, I guess we'll let you kind of give the give the backstory. It's pretty impressive, uh, pretty imp- impressive business that you built. So what's uh, what's it all about? Sure. So uh, my name is Dane Shuda, and the business is Ghost Blog Writers, and it's just a blog post writing service for a variety of different companies, different businesses, and uh, we have about twenty part time writers, freelance writers that work for our company and. 
dozens of clients and it's been a started out just as a freelance side gig for me uh, offshoot of my full-time job and about a little over two years ago I kind of took the jump and uh, started doing ghost blog writers full-time and have been doing it ever since and still uh, still doing it so it's still been uh, going pretty good. So started out as a side hustle. This is ghostblogwriters.com if you want to follow follow along, see what the uh, see what the landing page looks like. How did you break into this? So this is specifically for for business clients, so we'll dive into all that stuff. Yep. What like how did you yeah. <laughs> Take me take me back in the day. And how do how do you well, get started with this uh, with this thing? So I have two lead-ins. So when I was in uh, I don't know, I guess maybe the high school range I was never really interested in writing or English class or anything like that. And I actually wasn't very good at those things. Um, So as far as thinking about writing for a living, that never really crossed my mind until later on. And then in college, when I went to school, I went, I always knew I wanted to be in business entrepreneur, but I never could figure out an idea of what I wanted to do. And even in uh, when I went to college, it was uh, they had an entrepreneur program where they try to train you to be an entrepreneur. And okay, okay, I think every week or so, we always had to come in with a list of ideas. And so I was always trying to think of something. But actually, how Ghost Blog Writers started was uh, someone I knew uh, was doing some work for a business, and that business asked this person I knew if they knew anyone that would be interested in writing weekly blog posts. And they asked me if I would be interested, so I said, sure, I'll, I'll give it a try. So it kind of came out of nowhere. They didn't go and try and find the English major? They, they went after the no. kid in the entrepreneur program? I mean, I, and this was kind of a little, this was after, after college, and I was kind of dabbling online just with like a personal blog and reading blogs. So I think the person thought of me just because they were... I was, might have been one of the only people that had a personal blog and wrote about whatever. Okay, and so you had a little bit of blogging experience, little bit of experience. under your belt. Not a lot, yep. but a little. Yep. And so, yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere after trying to think of ideas. It kind of just came out of someone expressing the need and then just giving it a try. How when you when you're in the entrepreneurship program and we're tasked with coming up with with business ideas, I find that's like one of the hardest things to do. We're like, give me five business ideas. It is. Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. What mm-hmm. did you have any? It, it, was there anything that worked for you to kind of come up with those ideas on the spot? You know, I I think I'm I still try to do it a little bit today, and I mean I'll try to come up with ideas, just not anything serious but like if there's a stroke of genius or if something happens i can always have ideas to fall back on but now i definitely understand it's more of sometimes the ideas can be more subtle so just someone expressing a need for something um especially like working with businesses so this person didn't want to blog themselves but they wanted it to be active so just kind of seeing that kind of need and oftentimes it's it's not a glamorous thing or anything like that. It's just something that someone doesn't want to do and maybe you can figure out a way to provide that service for them and they would be more than happy to, to pay you. But I remember back in the in college everyone was always trying to come up with the like the sexy ideas and things like that. Not necessarily like what people would actually want or something like that. 
I know it's like you know ideas is kind of the terminology I need a bit I just need that one killer business idea and I'll, and I'll buy into it too right like you know mm-hmm. as, as my you know getting started page I, I often send people to sidehustlenation.com slash ideas and it's like well here's, mm-hmm. a, here's a big list something there will will suit you right but more more often it's you know finding finding that pain finding that need mm-hmm. that somebody is willing to pay for, preferably a, a business is willing to pay for to be able yep. to to turn that into uh, into a cash flow into a stream so so you get this first client kind of by accident hey sure I'll, I'll raise my hand I'll, I've never mm-hmm. done this before. I've never blogged professionally before but I'll give it a shot what does that relationship look like you're you're committed to write a weekly article for them yep what's do you mind saying what the topic was was it was it something you were qualified to write on I was not qualified to write on it it was actually a women's skincare. <laughs> company okay and uh they were overseas so i i don't know if they're still in business they haven't been a client for a little while that was just kind of my first one but so i was not qualified to write on the topic but something i've always i don't know if it's part of my personality i've always been very curious or i spend a lot of time on wikipedia just even as a kid my parents had like the set of encyclopedias and i was always reading those and so i think i was always good at research so I could see what like latest news was out there about skincare or okay. see what questions people were asking and and write the articles from gaining that knowledge. So so I didn't know about it but learned a lot about it over over the course of working for that client. And what did you what did you charge them? So yeah, I didn't know what to charge them, so I figured I think I wrote first post before we even agreed on the price and it might have taken me I don't know it might have taken me a little over an hour and so I I was like well what am I making at my job I'll just increase it a little bit so I was like I'll just charge 50 bucks for a post so it was it was like 50 dollars for maybe one to two hours of work and it was like I think they were like 500 or 600 word posts or something like that okay yeah, but still, to be able to crank that out in an hour—I mean, that's that's pretty good, um, pretty good hourly rate, especially yeah. for somebody right out of college. And and that's that's kind of what I—I I mean, I definitely increased it in as far as what I was making at the time. But I figured, you know, at at a full-time job, you got to account for a little bit of benefits and things like that. But but yeah, it just—I just kind of—I kind of based it on what I would want to make per hour in like an ideal world and just see if they, if they would be willing to pay it. Okay. And it wasn't, this was not related to your day job at all. It was kind of, a lot of times I think you can kind of look through your, you look through your resume, look through your work history to mm-hmm. find pains or problems or skills that the companies are, have a track record of paying for. Mm-hmm. And in this case, you know, this company did not have a blogger on staff or they just didn't want to handle right. it in-house, but they, they understood the the value of content marketing and content creation and stuff. Yeah. I'm just trying to bring some parallels to what other niches or, or industries this could be uh, applied in. And that was one idea to look, look through the, look through the resume. Mm-hmm. What came next? So after that, I, uh, I started working for that client. I think we did, I think it was every week we did a post. So I would just, uh, write it and upload it to to their site and uh, just got better at doing the research and got better at doing the, uh, 
the formatting as far as putting headings in there and uh, writing shorter paragraphs and asking for comments or uh, how to include links and internal linking. So I learned a lot about blogging just from that first client. And then I was also, I was always on Twitter, just kind of following people. And uh, one of the people I followed, they, out of nowhere, just, I think it was the CEO of a small tech company. And he said, I, I have a side project and I'm looking for a blogger. Does anyone know one? So I responded to him and told him to email me. And he told me about this side project he had. It was like a, it was like this forum he had for sport motorcycles, and he wanted to start a blog. And so that became client number two. I had to learn about sport motorcycles that I didn't really have any experience with as well. But so yeah, through Twitter, I got the second client, just kind of seeing if anyone was talking about blog posts. Okay, okay. Now there's there are some advanced like Twitter search tools that you can use, right? Like yep. I can look for, you know, the keyword blogging, blogger, mm-hmm. blog writer, ghost writer, right? And if that tweet includes a question mark or something, like it's going to flag those for I forget the name of the tool off the top of my head, but Yep. So that's one way to do some sneaky social media outreach. Definitely, yeah. Twitter I definitely, I mean People will say or ask for things or express needs. So, I mean, if you follow, and even like Twitter lists, like you can kind of segment to like different founders or different managers or marketing managers and, and just kind of follow them. And a lot of times they'll just update a tweet like, oh, I'm, I'm struggling with this or I didn't have time to do this. And you can probably get ideas for a side business that way just by seeing what people are talking about. Yeah, that was... Um... Uh, that, that's not that's not a bad tactic. Whatever your whatever your vertical is, whatever your niche is, you know, trying to find people who are are have, asking questions about that. You know, number mm-hmm. one, to try and be helpful and not spammy. Like, oh, have you right. seen such and such a resource? Or this really helped me. Or mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how pitchy it would be to be like, oh, I can help you with that. Or <laughs> maybe, mm-hmm. maybe try and start up a little conversation before going for the jugular there. Right. Yep. So, so we've got skincare, and now we've got uh, sport bikes. Yep. And uh, part of the or the the idea that uh, a lot of people will espouse is to niche down. Like, I'm going to be your go-to business blogger for skincare professionals mm-hmm. or skincare companies. And we, what's your take on niching down too wide or too narrow? So, I I'm definitely a believer in niching down, but the way we actually have niched down at with ghost blog writers is for a few different things over the course of the last few years I've written, or we've written like guides, like eBooks or things like that. Or uh, clients have asked for like different copywriting, maybe website copy or social media updating. And we certainly could do those things, but I wanted to kind of try to become the expert at blog posts. So we don't, we're not like a general copywriting service. We're kind of specifically for blog posts. So we do specialize in a few different industries, but we don't focus on the industry as much as we do on the blogging aspect of it. Okay. Any, any other tech? So, so, okay. So now we've got two clients yep. <laughs> and how, so how are you finding the rest? So and you're working now two hours a week and yep. presumably making hundred bucks a week, 400 bucks. I mean, that's a yep. good side hustle, but it's, it wasn't bad. I mean, I was happy. So yeah, I work. Yeah maybe like a Saturday morning or a couple hours after work and making a few 
few extra hundred dollars a month. So that wasn't bad. But now I'm starting to think, well, maybe there's a future here. Do you, have a, do you have a business name at this point? Do you have like a business website where you can... I had invested no money at this point. So no website, no business cards, no name. I think it was just through me. So nothing at that point. But it was at about this point where I said, well, I should probably get a website up and I should probably start blogging for that website. So looked around and came up with the name Ghost Blog Writers. I think I, it was kind of lucky because it was a pretty good name. Yeah, it's, not, it's a good it, domain. Yeah, I thought it could stand out as a brand, but also maybe a little bit of a keyword. But And it was available for the like 10 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a premium domain. So went with that, put up like a ba- basic website with like a $100 theme and started blogging. Didn't really get a lot of clients through that, probably for the first at least six months. So what I would do is I would go to like job boards and try to look for people that were posting for like the same type of thing. Like I I need a blogger for my business blog. So one would be like uh, the pro blogger had a good jobs board, but not all the listings were good. I tried to pick the ones that seemed to be maybe a little more, they were willing to pay a little more or not kind of just looking for cheap blog posts. Okay. No, that's a, that's a really good uh, tactic because you don't want to be. And let's go back to the pricing thing, right? Because fifty dollars yep. an article is uh-huh. like that's a pretty ballsy move for somebody uh-huh. with almost no experience, especially in the industry. Because well, I can get somebody to go write for skincare about me for five dollars, or right. or even twenty dollars right. for like a an actual English speaker. Uh-huh. And so, was there any trepidation over over say <laughs> drawing the line in the sand that this is my rate? You know, looking back on it, I probably, it was just, I was kind of pulling it out of the sky. I didn't really do a lot of research to see what other people charge. So I just kind of looked at myself and said, well, I'm, I'm probably not going to be happy doing it unless I get this amount. I don't want to work for nothing. Yeah. And although I probably would have been willing to work for a little less, but I just, I kind of looked at what I wanted to make an hour and thought if I, you know, if this will motivate me to do a good job. This might attract the right type of client so that they value the blog post more than if I'm just, and they value me more than if I'm just charging $5 an article. I didn't want to get disgruntled with it, you know, instead of making a couple hundred dollars a month, I'm only making like 50 a month. So I wanted to make sure it was worth my while, but yeah, I didn't do a lot of research when I probably should have, and maybe that worked out in my favor, just kind of focusing on myself and what I wanted to make from it. Oh, that makes sense. Like, hey, you don't don't worry about the market. Is just be confident that hey, I'm going to deliver this value because I'm going to make it worthwhile for me. It's a side hustle. I don't even need this. So you're kind of in a position. Right, right. You're in a position of power. So that's cool. It, let's talk about the the blogging strategy that that you used to to begin to attract. Um, mm-hmm. You know, rather than this, you know, proactive Twitter reach is kind of like now, and that's you know, kind of a push tactic yep. right so what are you doing as a pull tactic to get people to uh, to come to you and find you sure so i started writing about kind of blogging specific things like okay if a small business owner or a small business manager kind of a marketing manager is searching around like what are they looking for in terms of blogging like they're kind of interested in it they want to learn more about it so i was writing about business blogging i'd uh, i'd write about wordpress and 
different things I was learning about how to use WordPress and how to format blog posts and how to find ideas. And so I would write, I would try to write about anything like that. Okay. So if my, so if my niche is, uh, you know, photography, I could be talking about, you know, what's, what's the best time of day to take family portraits or mm-hmm. what, maybe, I don't know what settings, and then you get a little bit too detailed, but like, you know, the, the 10 questions to ask your wedding photographer or something like content like that. Yeah. So for, for my own site and, and kind of what we've evolved to now is we look at, okay, who's the target reader for whatever the business is, whatever the blog is. And we try to identify the questions that that person is asking in relation to the industry. So it could be, yeah, if it's a photographer or say it's a niche photographer, like a family photographer. So their customers would probably be looking for things like, um, when are the best ages to get the kids photographs done or how long does a session last or, Okay. Okay. Uh, what do, how do I how do I prepare for a session and things like that? So we kind of look for those types of questions. Sometimes they can get specific, but other times they might be more general. And we try to do a good mixture because people can be at different stages when they're kind of out searching. Now that's that's really good. And that kind of echoes what Rob Cubbin said uh, a few months ago when he mm-hmm. was doing his freelance design business. It was like you. Know, what's what's a rate for freelance graphic designer London or something? And so he ranked, yep. he ranked like number one for these like super specific long tail questions. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, if you want to contact me, here's, you, yep. oh, I'm happy to do this work for you. So if I was, one of the side hustles I'm working on is um, like a proofreading editing business, like specifically for business authors. So I could create posts mm-hmm. like, you know, how much does an editor charge or what, what's the difference between proofreading and editing or, you know, yep. do they typically, you know, is formatting for Kindle included or so, you know, kind of weird, weird specific stuff like that. Yeah. We kind of, what we do is definitely focus on those specific things because you can rank well, or even if you share it in social media, if someone's in that frame of mind, they'll jump on that post because they want to know. But then we also focus on more maybe general questions. So maybe if that person is like, well, what should I charge for my business book or or things like that? Okay, okay. Or how do I promote my business book? And you could write like five ways to build buzz for your business book or something like that. So still writing about what that person wants to know. So you're attracting your customer, maybe a little bit outside of your expertise, but if you do some research, you can compile some good information. Yeah, I know that makes sense too. Just, you know, whatever content that your, yeah, your target client would be interested in. Uh, that, that makes sense. So, so then people start to discover you just by organically discovering these posts or is there like a, a you know, a, a evil social media world domination plan behind it or what's going on at this point? Nope. So it, I, it definitely, so I was pretty comfortable doing, uh, just a few, a few clients on my own. And then I think I brought on, it got up mostly through outreach. It got up to like maybe a half dozen clients. And I brought on one other writer, just another freelancer that kind of did the same thing, but. And is it, so this is following kind of the, the social media, like I'm looking for people who are looking for bloggers. Or looking yep. for ghost bloggers. Yeah, so I, I I probably got the first five or six clients just through kind of 
whether it was seeing it on Twitter or the job boards. Okay, just kind the of, pro, like pro blogger jobs. Yep, okay. responding to the jobs that were available. And then that probably lasted for a year. Then I think after about a year of blogging, maybe six months to a year, started to get a little traffic and learning about the right things to blog. Then started getting some inquiries and started getting clients that way. And now that's the, the main way. We don't really do any outreach at this point in time, maybe in the future, but right now, just about 100% of the business comes through the website, whether that's through reading a blog post a lot of times or just kind of the authority of the site built up for certain keywords like uh, blog writing or blog writing service, which the, the blog posts help with that kind of thing, but it just takes time. Yeah. Were, and, were you stressing out about like SEO? I got to build links to this thing or it just kind of happened naturally? I kind of let it happen naturally. I didn't want to get too aggressive as far as trying to do any link building or things like that. I did a little guest posting and things like that, but mostly just kind of stayed consistent with regular posts on the site. I mean, I wanted to do that just because that was the service I was selling to clients. So I wanted to prove that, you know, if you just stay, stay true to the plan, it'll take a while. But once you have those posts built up, then you have a long term kind of engine for traffic and inquiries to your site. Yeah, that's so, that's so funny. I was talking with a coaching client this week and they're selling a similar service. Like I'm going to do, you know, your content marketing uh, mm-hmm. for you, your, your blog writing for you, your ghost writing for you. And then we were looking at her site and we were like, well, you know, there's not much to the blog here. And we were like, well, do you want to invest on all this time when you should be doing client work or out hustling for clients? Right. And then they might come back over here and say, well, you got to practice what you preach. And so it's I can definitely appreciate the conflict there because it is it's time consuming work that, that you could. It's it's speculative work, right? You don't you're not 100 yep. percent sure it's going to repay you, but you're especially in this business, like you kind of are are banking on I, it because you know that's what you're selling to customers too. Yeah, I felt obligated to do it. Um, just yeah, just to say like, well, got to practice what you preach. So, yeah. but also because it's a ghost vlogging, you know, I would say the majority of our clients. I mean, they probably it's like any service that they outsource, but a lot of times we'll post under their brand name. So they might not want us to share like a case study. So we do have some case studies, but not as many as maybe I would like. But because we write posts on the, our own site, I can say, well, you know, look at our blog. Here's just an example of a, how we format a post and how we write a post. So also to use it as an example, yeah. just our own yeah, blog. Yeah, yeah. Here's, here's a sample of our work. That makes sense. What's what are you looking at, you know, revenue wise, client wise, when it comes time to say, hey, I don't need to do my day job anymore. There's there's a real chance to turn this into a full time thing. Mm-hmm. So it was the spring, kind of the spring of 2012. So I've been doing this just as a side gig for at least two years. I think it was about two years. I had built it up to like a couple thousand a month on the side, which was great, but I was working every night. So like in my job, my full-time job was great. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like an 80 hour a week job, but it was like 40, 50 hours, pretty standard. But then I was coming home doing writing and writing on the weekends. So it was busy. And then I could see the potential in it. So then I was, you just kind of get, start getting frustrated at your full-time job. Like, well, I should, 
maybe I wish I was at home working on more time. Like, yeah, just, I need, and then, so that went on for a few months and finally I was like, you know, I'm still in my twenties. I don't have kids, you know, (laughs) there's some potential here. If I'm going to do it, I'm just going to try it now. And there's, you know, it'll probably work. You'll have 50 extra hours a week. I'm not quite up to the money I'm making on my full-time job. And if I give up my full-time job, it's like losing more than half, but build up a little savings. So summer of 2012, I just kind of took the plunge and just kind of went on faith. Yeah, and said, hey, with with this extra time, I'll be able to pick right. up the difference, you know, within, you know, whatever, a comfortable amount of time. Yep. And I figured, you know, it would be good experience if the, if worst came to worst, I could always find some other type of job if I had to. Right. To kind of get back if if I had to. So I know that's it's so scary. It's so scary, though. It's it like to because inertia is such a powerful thing. Like it took me, you know, months to get up the nerve to to quit my job. But it, it puts you in a powerful position instead of a position of desperation, right? Like having built this yep. thing on the site, even if it's not fully replacing your income, it's like a like this empowering moment. Like, look, I'm earning I'm earning money outside of my job. Like I have this thing and, you know, a little bit of a safety net and a little bit of a confidence booster, I think. So I think that's cool. Yeah. And I should say, um, so I, I don't think that it was like a brave move for the reason. So my girlfriend at the time, we had been dating, we started dating in 2009 and in 2010, she's a website designer and she kind of did the same thing. She was designing websites on the side and like two years before I did, she left her job. Oh, wow. You got like a, a household aside hustle. Yeah. So she started doing it full time before I did. So I kind of saw her example. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't completely on my own as far as seeing the example, but it was still, it was tough. I mean, it took me two years after her to make the jump. So. Well, here's here's the beef with with a freelance business like this. Even though you've you've set it up right, you're going after business customers. You're setting people up mm-hmm. on retainer client or retainer, I assume contracts or how how is the contract? How is the agreement set up? Like I'm going to do this. You're going to yeah, deliver so, four posts a month, every month or something. Yep, most mostly it's uh, weekly posts, and so yeah, we just get paid monthly for uh, for those posts, and most clients are. Looking at it at the long term, kind of early in the relationship, I'm, I kind of make sure like we're, a, I tell them we're a long-term partner. We're looking for long-term clients. We're not just like one-off article writers, yeah. which is, that's what some people want to do and that's what some businesses want. But so yeah, it kind of works out well for us because it's kind of almost like a retainer or even almost like a subscription type business. Yeah, it makes makes it a little bit more predictable than, you know, if you're if you're the freelancer who's hustling on Elance or Odesk to get that next bid, to get that next job. So right. you have yep. a little bit more stability to it. But the beef against freelancing is look, I I gotta be doing all the work. I'm still at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I'm still trading my time for for dollars. So let's talk about this this team of twenty, your army of part time right. writers that you've got going for you now. How um, how's that working out? So now it's good. It was when I left my full-time job, I was still probably doing maybe more than half, maybe 60 to 70% of the writing. So it was very much a freelance business. And looking back, I I almost kind of wish I would have transferred more of it to other writers before I left, but it was hard it's hard cuz when you do it yourself, you think you do the best job, but 
that's not always the case, but it's hard to get over that fact. And oh, it is. It is. Especially if you're like grown up a perfectionist. You know, mm-hmm. and so that was if tough. You, if you need it done right. You do it yourself. And it takes a while. In the short term, it takes a while to, to get someone up to speed or to, to do training or talk about procedures. Uh, so you have to invest a lot in the short term, but it saves you a lot in the long term. Um, but yeah, when I was first starting, I was early in on when it was first client, second client, I was like, well, this is a need. So I tried to think about the big picture, like, okay, this business, like I, I obviously only have so much time. I don't want it to just be a freelance business. So I thought about how I could have other writers and how they could be freelance writers, contractors, and just tried to think about the business that way. So then 2012, was a good year because I was doing still a lot of the writing. So obviously a hundred percent of the margin, but then in 2013, I pushed myself to by the end of the year transfer just about a hundred percent of the writing to other writers. And by the end of the year, I did that. The, my revenue or my earnings, the business's revenue went up, but mine went down that year just because I went from a hundred percent to just, uh, half that or so okay. giving the paying the writers so that was a big hit but i knew it was a step i had to take to give the business long-term viability to to scale right so and went I think through that you, and i think you set that. it up smartly by calling it ghostblogwriters.com and not daneshoota.com mm-hmm. to say you know look i'm selling this service i'm not necessarily selling my writing service yeah and that can be a trap that a lot of times yeah. the freelancers will fall into. So you kind of set yourself up for the, the potential, for the opportunity to to have somebody else actually deliver the work as long as it met your your quality standards. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so I was always kind of had it in the back of my mind like, you know, this this should be a business that's bigger than just me. Otherwise, I'm just, it's just kind of like a full-time job in a way. Not, the, not in a lot of ways, but in some ways. And so I was always trying to think about how would this work? Are writers willing to work for a little bit less, but to have the security that I'm always going to pay them and things like that? So, yeah. so how do you how do you spend your days uh, now as the as the as the boss of the of this little uh, freelance empire? So my days are mostly spent doing uh, handling inquiries and kind of handling uh, getting getting a new client set up with a new or with a writer, and then maybe a little customer support here and there like if a current client has a question and i'm also i still do the writing for our blog for the ghost blog writers blog so i write three posts a week oh wow yeah you're pumping out a lot of content over there yeah so still that's still under me but i don't do any client work and my goal for this year is to i'm thinking or i've been trying to think about how kind of what the position of like an account manager would be so someone else that could handle what I do now, the inquiries and getting a new writer set up or getting a new client set up. So I've been working on kind of documenting all the steps I take so that someone else can can do it just as well or better than what I'm doing right now. Okay. Systemize systemize the whole thing. Man, mm-hmm. this is a this is a cool case study. I think this is a, and it's probably replicable across you know, a bunch of different industries, not just writing. So that's, that's yeah, kind of why yeah, it's I would a think cool so. story. Anything you do differently if you were if you were starting over from scratch? Well, the one, like I said, I wish 
before I would have quit, just because it had the potential. Looking back, I wish I would have. Uh, I would have not been doing so much of the writing myself when I left my full time job because I could have passed off more to other writers, I think, and maybe made that transition a little easier. But it still it wasn't too bad. I mean, it worked out pretty well at least so far. Other things. One thing I thought here and there. I I mean, I think I bought like. 500 business cards at one point and I think I gave out zero business cards (laughs) and so that stack sat in my desk so there's things that I found you gotta have business cards you're in business for yourself though that's that's I mean that's a thing I understand that you kind of think you need some of those things but like I said I started it for zero dollars just kind of providing a service and and so some things I probably wouldn't do or or I would kind of start out small. Uh, even like with the website, I started just, you know, the basic hosting, get something up, get it kind of looking somewhat professional, and then just kind of go with the bare minimum until it kind of starts paying for itself. So Yeah, you, you even went baller with the premium theme. So, I mean, yeah, that's pretty legit. It, it, my first theme might have been a free theme. Okay. <laughs> and, then, and then I think my now wife, who so she designs websites, so then she... I think was kind of embarrassed that I had a free theme. So she kind of <laughs> customized it. And then now it's a fully customized, uh, I guess it's a design or a theme still on WordPress, but she's, she's helped with that. But it, I think it started as a free theme. Yeah, very much, very much a lean, lean startup. I like it because Brian uh, Harris a few episodes ago made, makes that same argument. Like, look, there's three main ways to make money online where right? you can sell advertising, requires a ton of traffic to make it interesting. You can sell a product yep. that you got to create or you could sell a service and boom, you can get started selling this service, you know, with, with no website, with no overhead, no nothing. You just find a customer and go. Yep. So perfect, perfect and, uh, case study, perfect example of that. And I had failures. Well, not necessarily failures, but like, so what he was talking about. So I have other blogs that I thought, well, I can build this up to be whatever, and I'll just make a bunch of advertising. And I still have a couple that make like a couple hundred bucks a month, but the service has definitely been the way to go for me. Yeah, the fa- probably the fastest path to, to freedom from the day job. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Very cool, Dane. Thanks so much for, for joining me. It is ghostblogwriters.com if you want to check them out. And we'll wrap it up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. My number one tip, kind of what we talked about earlier, is uh, even when you are when you stumble on an idea, well, kind of figure out something someone needs and you maybe start doing it yourself. Always leave time during the week or during the day to think about, okay, what can this business be, you know, 10 years in the future, five years in the future, beyond just yourself, whether you have, like, what tasks is it going to include? How could people fill those tasks? And just think about how you could scale it, because then you can turn a a side hustle into, like, a full-time business that you own, not necessarily overnight, but maybe in a few years. And uh, just, it's easy, and it was easy for me to get caught in the daily work of I need to get a post done tomorrow for a client and doing that and being exhausted. But I always tried to leave time to think about, okay, I have to focus on the bigger picture. Like what am I doing to scale this? So always leaving time to do, to do that type of thinking would be my number one tip. Cool. Yeah. That's what, that's what gets you from, from freelancer to, uh, to business owner. So very, very cool stuff. Yep. 
Dave, thanks so much. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. A footnote on this episode. Um, Dane, Dane mentioned after we, we stopped the recording that one, another one of his tactics was looking on Quora for uh, blogging-related questions or small business marketing-related questions and using that as blog fodder for, for his own blog. Not necessarily investing the time to, uh, to answer that question on Quora, which I kind of did a, a little mini case study on. Uh, last year didn't turn out to be super valuable use of your time, but like saying, hey, these are questions that my my perfect audience, my target audience is asking. How can I create content to help them? And so turning those around and answering those questions on your own site was a cool uh, cool little tactic he shared after we after we uh, stopped the after I after I hit the button. Uh, all but all my all the notes and highlights, including that one. Uh, are available to you in a free downloadable PDF along with Dane's top tips and tactics at sidehustlenation.com slash 93 or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. In the meantime, happy Valentine's Day. I love you. Side Hustle Nation loves you. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, let's go out there, make something happen, and I'll see you next week in episode 94. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. Is there a more dreaded question than what's for dinner? Meal planning and eating well to hit your nutrition goals doesn't have to be complicated. Our sponsor, Factor, makes it easy by sending delicious, ready-to-eat, chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals right to your door. Every week, you've got over 35 different menu options to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie options, and more. Some personal favorites of ours so far have been the garlic mushroom chicken thighs and the Indian butter tofu. These are restaurant-quality meals ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. It's the perfect easy button solution for busy side hustlers and couples. And it's not just dinner either. Factor has nutrient-packed snacks, smoothies, breakfasts, and more. And hey, plans change, which is why you can scale up or down your meals or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash sidehustle50 and use code sidehustle50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. That's code sidehustle50 at factormeals.com slash sidehustle50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. Big thanks to Factor for sponsoring the show.